This is a QAMR Berghofer Medical Research Institute podcast. Supporting all women in science and medical research. Rena Kumar has worked with the World Health Organization, providing technical assistance on TB to the Ministry of Health in Fiji. She has a master's in molecular biology and is completing her PhD here on human gut health and metabolic syndrome. Thanks for joining us, Rena. Thank you very much. Now, your goal is to make an impact, change people's lives and inspire others, but really your determination to obliterate huge obstacles has been an inspiration to so many others facing similar challenges. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me here. Can we start with the first gem of a thought that led you down the science path? Science has always been something that I was interested in since high school. I actually wanted to go down the path of pharmacy, missed it out by just five marks in Fiji. Yes, it hurt a lot. Then I got the opportunity to do medical laboratory science. Anything that gets me into doing science, I'd be happy with it. I actually liked it. Whatever results I produced had a direct clinical impact because I'd be working in the hospital. It became a bit monotonous, but because I was in Fiji, we didn't have much opportunities to further our education. So I didn't think that I actually had a chance to venture out. I got the opportunity to apply for the Australian Awards Scholarship. Mm -hmm. Didn't get it in the first two years. Got a bit disheartened. But I thought the third try would be the lucky charm. I got it. And that's where my journey with um, the University of Queensland started. With those applications, did you have anyone in your corner helping you? My husband. He's the person that lights the fire for me. (laughs) I am one of those people that sometimes suffers from imposter syndrome. I started doubting myself after the first two tries. He's the one who kept pushing me. We actually had arguments over that because I would put the application aside and he would go, I am not talking to you until you apply. How is that transition going from Fiji to studying here without your family, without your friends and your beautiful baby boy? (laughs) He wasn't such a baby by then. Universities in Australia, you have a lot of resources. Your laboratories over here are well equipped. Everything was theory-based. I did have a bit of a culture shock in terms of the university, how big it was. I also did not have my family here with me. I do have extended family members. Did that support make a big difference? Yes, they did actually. When I would get homesick, my mom's sister would call me over. I'd spend the weekend, get some family cooked meals. But it does hurt when you don't have your own people. Uh, when I finished my master's, I had my family here for my graduation, which was really nice. But because I was an award, Australian Awards Scholarship holder, I had to go back. And that's when I joined the World Health Organization because that was the agreement also that I have to work in my country for two years before I could actually come over again. That was really interesting work though, wasn't it? It was actually. It was quite different. I was representing the World Health Organization in Fiji with the Ministry of Health in the tuberculosis program. But then you thought, hmm, 
should never say never. When I was doing my master's, I was like, PhD, I think I've had enough of yeah. uni. I realized, oh, I actually miss a bit of research, but I didn't think that I would have it in me. Then my husband was the one who actually told me, Rina, you have the potential to do a PhD. Why don't you apply? We looked at the criteria. I met everything, but still I was a bit hesitant. My husband, again, used the same technique. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to you until you apply. I sent some, a few emails around with an expression of interest. And I was very fortunate to get a reply from the Get Health Lab here. I was actually surprised to get a reply, though. You're in your final year of PhD. You've done extremely well. Is the imposter syndrome wearing off at all? I don't think so. It ever wears off. You just, you just get it in different doses. <laughs> so there are times when I think I am the most confident person ever. I can do everything. But then if something doesn't go the way you think it's supposed to go, that's when it hits you. It's like, oh, my God, am I good enough for this? Am I doing the right thing? Is there somebody better? I think it'd be very comforting for lots of other people looking down a science path to hear this, that you know, even someone as successful in study as you doubts themselves at times, but it doesn't stop you from going ahead. If you never try it, you will never know how good you are at it or how bad you are at it. When I was deciding to do a PhD, it wasn't just me I had to think about. I have a child and I have a husband. I'm very, very fortunate that my parents are very supportive. I also feel proud that my son can now see me as a role model, even though my mom looks after the house or does everything. But she's also someone who's striving to finish her PhD, that anything is possible. My family could not even be here to celebrate my milestones. I didn't have anyone after my confirmation, after my mid-can milestone, when I passed those. So all of those took a toll. The only time when I felt joy that borders were going to open for people that are on a selected visa list. The student 500 visa was on it. Grabbed the first opportunity to book flights for them. Yeah, COVID has been tough. This is just me. There are thousands and thousands of people who have been in a similar situation as, as me because of COVID. I've just been given the opportunity to talk about it. <laughs> Would you have been able to come and support yourself to do a PhD here? Actually, I am very fortunate to be the recipient of a donor-funded scholarship, so Dr Chris Moore Scholarship. Without that, I wouldn't have been able to come over here as an international student to do a PhD. It would have been basically impossible. But they don't give that to imposters. That's something my husband would say too. <laughs> I actually want to go into the gut microbiome space. I mean, that is where my PhD is. I'm moving towards computational also, which is something I find interesting which I did not before. And that is something that I think a lot of females who don't get the opportunity to do further studies miss out because you're not exposed to these resources. You don't know what is out there for you to learn, what might hold your interest. 
if I did not have the opportunity to do a PhD, I would never have known I could learn computational work at all. And like it. Yes, and like it. Was your plan always to go back and make an impact in Fiji? I would love to. I'm not just relying on going back and making an impact. Sometimes I have messages pop up to go, Hi, Rena. I'm thinking of studying. What area should I go into? So you're now able to mentor those people because of your experience? Yes, and because I also had good mentors. My first mentor was actually my supervisor when I did my master's project. It was just here at UQCCR. Her name's Hannah, a single mom. She introduced me to research how a mum would nurture you. I still am in contact with her. You know, when sometimes ex- experiments don't go the way you want them and you feel disheartened. She'd give me a call just to reassure me or just talk with me. So I didn't even have to talk about my project at all. She's the one who was someone I looked up to because she got through her master's, her PhD, when she had her son. She's successful. Her son is successful now. I thought, well, if she can do it, I can do it too. Your supervisor for your PhD is so crucial. Yes. Yes, they are. All my supervisors, male and female, are all parents. I'm a bit biased right now because I'm also a parent here. They also know that I'm not just a student. I also have a lot of hats on my head. I was fortunate to have friends, my two crucial friends over here at QI Mark came in place. They're both PhD students. Well, one has finished. So it's Brittany Mitchell and Marta. They were there for me one day. I just wanted to cry when I just wanted to rant. I celebrated my birthdays with them, celebrated their birthdays. <laughs> we went out for hikes. We went out for shopping trips. Yeah, they're both overseas students as well. Yes, they're both international students also. So it was something that we could all relate to. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were a good support system for me, and they still are. Do you have any advice with a terrible female disease called imposter syndrome? To be honest, it's not just a female <laughs> disease. The imposter syndrome does not go away. You need to know how to just handle it. You are good at what you do. Can't cure that disease, you just manage it. You just manage it. There's no cure for it. (laughs) I can't imagine how proud your whole community are of you. And we understand that path has been really, really difficult at times. And I think that you've smoothed that path or at least left some breadcrumbs for others. I hope so. I hope that there is at least one female out there who sees my story or hears my story and goes, I think I have the potential to do it too, and actually does it, I'd feel so happy. Baby steps, but you can get there. Been a pleasure hearing your story. Thank you so much, Rena, and I look forward to calling you Dr. Rena very soon. I hope so too. I can't wait. (laughs) 